This is the Dungeon Master's Handbook. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Handbook. I'm Michael, also known as Chicago Wiz, and I'm really glad that you're, uh, you're here with me. Thanks for joining. This episode, we're going to talk about how to get started running a sandbox campaign. Old school style, or at least old school style the way I do it. Um, it's something that I've written a lot about, I've talked a lot about, and I'm very passionate about because I think it's such an awesome way of running a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Um, it's the way I started out back in uh, the 80s when uh, I was running modules, uh, keeping the borderland, and then we moved on to uh, the Isle of Dread, and you know we were playing that using AD&D or BASIC or <laughs> whatever we really wanted to come up with. And uh, the thing that I loved about it was it was an open world for me and my buddies to explore. You know, um, it wasn't something where it was like acting in a movie or in a TV show. This was something where, wow, you know, if I wanted to, I don't have to go and fight the monsters. I could go and take over the keep itself and, you know, live like a king or, you know, if I go to the island, well, I don't have to necessarily follow anything. I can just hang out and be a pirate or an explorer or whatever else I wanted. And those were the things that always really made the games a lot of fun. So I like running what I like playing. And so uh, that's, uh, that's what I've stuck with. Now, if you've never heard of a sandbox campaign before, uh, broadly defined, it's an open area. Um, it's an open world where your players have the perceived freedom of being able to do whatever they want. Um, if you've seen or heard about games uh, online like Skyrim, uh, that's an open world, you know. Yeah, there's a big main plot there and there's things that you can do. But if you want, there's a whole lot of other things you can do. Or you can choose to do none of it all and just go and craft weapons or potions all day. Whatever you really want. And the game continues to give you things to do within that regards. Well, a Dungeons & Dragons campaign that's a sandbox campaign is much the same way. Uh, for me, what I see is that I set up the world. The players will drive to what they want to do in the world, and the world is going to react to what they do. Or, if they're not doing anything that really cares about, it's going to ignore the players and keep doing its thing while the players are doing their thing. Um, it sounds like a lot. I, I get that, you know. You're like, well, damn, Mike, how am I going to come up with an entire world? And I see that a lot online, and when I talk to people, you know, that they hear about, you know, I, I've got a, uh, you know, 
wiki and database and maps and, you know, dungeons and all sorts of different documents and keys and NPCs and things. And they're like, you know, I can't do that. That takes too long. I guarantee you, I pretty much think anyone can because there's really, for me, three basic guidelines or tools that I think you can use to quickly create a sandbox campaign that's going to be fun for both you and your players to be in. And it's not going to take days and weeks of prep. In fact, I'm pretty sure you could do it in a couple of hours. Well, how are we going to do that? Let me talk about the three tools. First off is using broad brush strokes. And what I mean by that is using big ideas to set the tone of whatever it is you're writing about. Secondly, I use the rule of three. I'm, I'm big on doing things in three. Uh, three seems to be a, a number of things that uh, you know are easy to manage, easy to remember, but also provide a, a concept of choice. Um, I'm going to talk with regards of creating three hexes or three places for your PCs to explore. I'm going to talk about three NPCs and then three hooks to get your players involved in the world. And yes, I am going to talk about a backup plan in case they do none of that. And then most importantly, I'm going to talk about just-in-time detailing and what that means to help save you from trying to do everything at the beginning, but also getting to what's important on game day. Now, this is probably going to take the course of a couple of episodes here, this podcast, but I'll keep coming back to those three things. So uh, I hope you'll hang with me and uh, we'll see where we go with this. All right. So you have this idea for a campaign. Uh, You know, it's been kind of bubbling in the back of your head or you saw something in a movie or you read something, just whatever it is. And you've got this idea. That's the starting point, and that's the thing that will drive everything else you're doing. Well, I want you to kind of visualize that in your head right now, and then think about how you would describe that in a paragraph, maybe three to four sentences. That is going to be your starting point, and it doesn't have to be very detailed. You know, I started off with a a short story, but that short story came from just a vague idea in my head of what would it be like to have a post-apocalyptic fantasy world? And from there, I just kind of fleshed out a little bit and ran with that. That was my broad brushstroke for starting the campaign. I didn't detail everything. I just knew that I had this idea in my head, and I kind of sketched it out. So I started with a paragraph. And then everything that I came up with beyond that was just derived from kind of just this general idea. And it was just a matter of outlining and kind of drilling down, but not going into too much detail. All right, so I got an idea of a post-apocalyptic fantasy world. Um, So where are we going to start? Hmm. We're going to start on the border of where civilization is retreating. And, you know, this used to be a cool town, and now it's kind of falling on bad times, and it's close to a lost city. That's it. And, okay. And then I can drive in from there. But everything starts off with these broad brushstrokes that all relate to that central core idea. And I try to keep that in the back back of my head with everything that I'm doing. 
And I will return to that because everything that I start off with after this, I always start off with this kind of this two or three or four sentence paragraph that is just the general idea. I don't go and try and detail it all out at the beginning. From there, I moved on to, all right, so I have this great idea. Well, now I want the players to do something in that world. And this is where, uh, kind of by accident, I stumbled onto my rule of three. Um, and three is good because it gives choices without becoming overwhelming. Um, I've been in some games where the DM will say, okay, here you go, da 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 da, here's your starting point. Now what? Well, it's kind of hard to get engaged in a world if you don't have some sort of choice to begin with. And I've seen that out of a lot of players where you put, you know, especially if they're not used to playing in this sort of a sandbox campaign, you put them in there. And they're lost because it seems like they could do everything and anything, and they have nothing to grab a hold of. So I found that giving them three of something, whether it's three NPCs to deal with, three hooks, three known locations in the world, whatever it is, it gives them the illusion of choice while you've also kind of put walls around the sandbox. That doesn't mean they're going to stay there. We're not going to stay with three, but three is a good starting point. And for you as the DM, that's not so overwhelming. You know, trying to come up with six, eight, 10, 12 destinations, that's a little overwhelming. But starting off with three, three is a good manageable number. If you feel like doing more, that's great. But I think three is a great way of getting started because that's going to get you thinking about how these things relate and how do they work together. All right. So three destinations, things for players to do. Um, if you read my blog, you know that I've been writing about uh, three hexes. You know, I, I, when, I, when, I started, when I started my campaign, I really did only define three hexes in my world plus my home base. Um, there was three things that the players could go do. They could go investigate a uh, ruined monastery. They could go investigate an abandoned dwarven mine. Or they could go investigate a ruined uh, inn that was out in the wilderness somewhat further on, on the road to the big lost city. So immediately right away, that gives them three very different distinct things that they could do. But that wasn't too hard for me to try to come up with, you know, a lot of prep for each of those things. Um, three NPCs. Now, when you're in town, what usually matters to your players? I'll tell you, where can I buy my crap? Where can I sell my crap? And who can help me get more crap? If your first three NPCs are just those three, I guarantee you, you are going to be far ahead of the game that you need to be. Who, where can I buy my crap? You know, ye old Wally Mart. Uh, where can I sell my crap? Ye old fence. And who can help me get more crap? Well, that might be an NPC with uh, rumors, usually the bartender. 
uh, who can help heal me? Usually ye old uh, priest at the temple somewhere. And who can assist me or be my meat shield in uh, uh, getting more crap? Well, that's usually ye old hireling that, you know, you're probably going to end up losing in the first couple of adventures anyway. Um, you have at least three of those figured out at the beginning of the game. You're well ahead of the game, and the players are going to be happy. And then three hooks. Now, it's all well and good to have your destination. You know, it was all well and good that I had a ruined monastery, and I had a lost inn, and I had the abandoned dwarven mines. Why are the players going to go there? So I had three distinct different reasons for those players to get out of town and go do stuff. Um, and the nice thing was is I tied those in with the NPCs so that now the world is taking on a little bit of depth. You know, uh, the, uh, the um, general store manager wants to recover some, you know, some things that he believes were left in the abandoned dwarven mine, and he'll pay richly for them. Uh, you know, the, uh, the fence is thinking about establishing an out-of-town base, and hey, that ruined monastery might make a great place to be able to stash stuff. Um, maybe the uh, lord of the town is worried about what's beyond the woods and wants to hire the players to go out and uh, check out that lost inn and see if anything's living there anymore because he wants to establish an outpost there. Whatever it is, tying in those destinations to your NPC starts to give you a little bit of a, uh, of a richness to the world. And you're setting the stage for future growth. Because we're not going to stay with just three NPCs. We're not going to stay with just three locations. We're going to build on this. But you're just starting out right now. So keeping it small, keeping it focused, really allows you that ability to get in there, get it going, and then get it out to your players. All right. So where are we at? Well, you've come up with the basic idea of your campaign. You fleshed it out a little bit with three locations, three NPCs in your hometown base, and you've got three hooks ready for the players to go jump at stuff. Now you got to start getting into a little bit of the details. But I'm here to encourage you, do it just enough for the first game. And this is why, again, coming back to three makes it easy. Sorry, right, I've talked about I need a ruined monastery and a forgotten dwarven mine. Right away, that's two dungeons. And maybe a little bit of outdoor setting on top of that. Not too hard. Only do the first level of the dungeon. Seriously. Because... Unless you're running a very long game, the players are probably not going to get through all that first level. And that's okay. Um, for my abandoned inn, well, I need to come up with, you know, an outdoor setting of, you know, a bunch of ruined buildings and, you know, maybe a small dungeon, the cellar of the inn. Here again, doesn't require too much prep. You only have to do that little bit that's going to get you into the first game and set the stage for the next games. And really, that's it. That's all the prep that you have to do because you're trying to focus on getting the stuff just in time. I highly encourage using the internet at this point, um, unless you are uh, 
you really like making the dungeon maps or uh, you want to be inspired, there are a lot of great resources out there. Um, I mean, you type in, you know, uh, dungeon maps into Google and you're going to get beyond millions of hits for uh, different dungeons that you can use. Find one that appeals to you. Uh, for me, for my Ruined Monastery, I used a uh, dungeon that I found in uh, Fight On Number One. Um, and I still have it over here on the shelf. It was a great little dungeon. I didn't have to do much. It was already pre-populated for most of everything that I wanted, and I ran with it. The uh, Abandoned Dwarven Mines, eh, I wanted to do my own, so I did roll my own. It took a couple of hours to, uh, to sketch it out. And For those of you that remember Morrowind, the, uh, the Elder Scrolls uh, game from the uh, early 2000s, um, if you remember heading out of Sedinin, you get to Balmoral, there was a Fort uh, Buckmoth, um, and right near there was an old Dwemer set of ruins. And this was kind of the first time that you would get in and you would see the grandeur of the place. There was this one area, if you went down deep enough, it opened up into this partially flooded room. And there was like these three levels raising up above you. And it was a beautiful structure. And I'd always wanted to put that into a dungeon. So I knew that was going into the second level of the Dwarven Mines. Bottom line is I had a vision, I wrote it down, and eventually when the players got close enough to it, I was able to uh, fill that in. And that brings out another point that I wanted to make before I close here. You know, if you're not sure of what to put in there, and you're not sure about the details, leave it alone. Let's see what happens during the play. You know, there's been times when I haven't filled in something or really gotten deep into something the players went ahead and went in that direction or encountered that thing and it was during the play of just kind of either making it up on the fly or riffing off of what the players were uh, giving me that I came up with some really cool stuff all right so I've rambled on long enough um, just again to talk about uh uh, where I've covered, I've talked about three tools that will allow you to start off a sandbox campaign using uh, broad brushstrokes, you know, kind of a general idea and making sure that you always stick to those, but don't get into the details until you need to. Um, the rule of three, three seems to be a good number of things that you can focus on and it doesn't overwhelm you in prep and it's a good number of choices for the players to have. And then just-in-time detailing. Wait until you get there, you know, wait until the, the players are ready to go into that direction uh, before you actually start filling in the details. You know, you don't have to make your mega dungeon right away. You just get the broad outlines of what you want, and you dive into the details as we go. So that's it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to wrap up with... Uh, what to do with this uh, new sandbox campaign on your first game day, and then what comes after that. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, wherever you downloaded this, please give me a review. I'd really appreciate that. That's what's going to help keep this, uh, this podcast going and keep people interested is get those reviews and let other people know about the uh, podcast. Uh, share it with your uh, D&D friends. So um, please subscribe to wherever you got this, whether it's iTunes or SoundCloud or the RSS feed. Uh, let everyone know. So until next time, game on. <laughs>